0: Hi, and welcome to Pillsbury's Industry Insights podcast, where we discuss current legal and practical issues in finance and related sectors. I'm Joel Simon, a partner at the international law firm Pillsbury Winthrop Shaw-Pittman. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Jonathan Ocker. John is the co-leader of Pillsbury's board advisory and corporate governance team, advising public companies, boards of directors, and high profile executives on compensation and corporate governance issues. John is often referred to as the say on pay doctor. How's that for a title? And if there was ever a clear indication of clients valuing someone's advice, it's worth noting that John is the only lawyer known to have represented chip war adversaries, Intel and advanced micro devices simultaneously. Thanks for being here, John. Thanks, Joel. Pleased to be here. In light of the wide array of things you advise companies and boards about, there are so many interesting topics I'd love to chat with you about. Historically, boards of directors focused on governance risk and executive compensation. But today, there's a raft of issues that have jumped the queue. Let's talk about ESG, and in particular, the E in ESG. So ESG means environmental, social,
1: and governments. And I would say Until 24 months ago, lawyers like me focused primarily on governance and on issues like say on pay on compensation. Do the executives and directors of companies have a proper pay program so that the shareholders vote yes each year? And we worry about board governance issues like proxy access, independence of directors, and in the appropriate cases, making sure that the chairman and CEO function is separate, and uh, if that's not separate, that you have a lead effective lead independent director. In August of 2019, Jamie Diamond of J.P. Morgan Chase said to the business roundtable, "The priority of companies is no longer the stockholder, it's the stakeholder." And with that, we had a tectonic shift in the way companies started looking at um, looking beyond governance to environmental and social. A little later, the um, World Economic Forum held the 2020 Davos Forum, and the chairman of CEO of Bank of America was quoted as saying, in part, in the manifesto. A company is more than an economic unit generating wealth. It fulfills human and social aspirations as part of a broader social system. Performance must be measured not only on the return to shareholders, but also on how it achieves its environmental, social, and good governance objectives. So what does this mean to a board of directors? It means that they need to start thinking about More than just economic returns to shareholders, but the place the company holds in the community in which it does business, the world and the environment in which it does business, and environmental stewardship. And you might ask, well, why is that important? The reason that is important is that in 2006, the United Nations inaugural report on principles for responsible investment reported at that time there was $6.5 trillion in assets under management on ESG issues. As of June of last year, there were more than $80 trillion in assets under management for ESG. Turning to another statistic that boards would take particular attention to is that exchange-traded funds had $19 billion of investor money flowing into them in 2020 compared to 8 million the year before that's more than double so investors are paying attention to whether the company has a good ESG track record but then let's look at what's happened since June of 2019 we have a pandemic we have social injustice and we have climate change and we've gone from a check the box exercise to get exer- to get investors interested in you to really the board looking at the long-term strategy of the company and what its relevance is to the world, to its shareholders, and to the communities in which it does business. Now, companies and boards look to strategies, and depending on what your industry you're in, if you're a food processor, you you become concerned about social injustice, and genetically modified materials that are causing cancer in less than privileged workers. If you're a home builder or construction company, you start thinking about not only where you get your concrete and where you get your timber, but what kind of houses you want to be known as building for the future. And if you're an energy company, you start thinking about renewable resources. So Joe, we've gone from a big shift from the simple word shareholder to stakeholder, to the importance of environment to the future strategy of a company.
0: That's an incredible story of evolution, John. Thank you for that background. Uh, It can seem overwhelming, and particularly with the environment being such an expansive issue, how does a board go about getting its arms around just the environment aspect of that? Is there a playbook for this type of thing? You know, Joel, there's no one size that fits all playbook and
1: as I mentioned, each company, each industry is different. But one thing is pretty common and I was reading the weekend journal and there was an article about Intel and one of its former directors or director, I forget which, was talking about how they only have one chip expert on the board and they want to get more chip experts on the board as Intel decides whether to build these chips in the United States or to outsource to factories as some of its competitors are doing. I take that analogy to environmental and I think each board needs to look at its members and figure out if it has an environmental expert on the board. So boards are going to be looking at their existing expertise and whether they have a hole in terms of the space in the environmental world the company plays. Then the company needs to, once it has assessed that, It might determine it wants to have a separate ESG company. And I would say right now, a minority of companies have separate board committees devoted just entirely to ESG. More likely, um, it's going to be delegated to the nominating and governance committee or an audit committee. But delegate it will, and it will go to a committee where there's someone with some expertise to monitor this. Not all board members are environmental experts. And where that expertise is lacking, they'll be be looking for expertise. The next step is for that committee or for those directors who are tasked to do this is to work with management. And the parts of management would be um, the CFO because there's reporting of environmental risk. Uh, Investor relations are very important to determine what shareholders are saying about your environmental stewardship, uh, legal, um, and to get those management teams to identify what are the environmental risks for the company. And often most good companies that are ahead of the curve on this Probably the Fortune 200 will have a sustainability report where management will report to the board and on the website to shareholders. Those issues of environmental compliance, environmental risk mitigation, and environmental looking forward as, into strategy are important to the board, and the board will review that sustainability report with management um, to put as good f- foot forward um to the world and in communities, in terms of their environmental um strategy
0: so John, once a company has all these things in place, how do they determine whether their policies are working or not? Are there formal feedback mechanisms from investors or regulators or the public, or is it simply just the court of public opinion lawsuits and news reports
1: well it's certainly the latter, but that would be um that would truly be um the last resort. Um, believe it or not, there you may recall electric, electric appliances had UL approved. Um, there are now, um, and it's not surprising, they're the institutional advisors that would advise on, say, on pay and governance. It's Institutional Shareholder Services and Glass-Lewis will actually give your proxy, they'll grade your proxy on environmental compliance. And ISS uses um, the Global Reporting Initiative Standards, the Sustainability Accounting Standards, and the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosure Factors to grade on a scale of 10 how a company is doing relative to its peer group. And a peer group would be the companies you identify in your proxy that are similar in size to you, footprint, market cap, revenues those sorts of things. So they would compare you to your peers and give you a score. And the last thing the board wants to do is have a low score in its ISS and um, Glass-Lewis report. So there is a reporting system, there is a scorecard system, and it would behoove management to prove to the board that they're doing the necessary and appropriate things to get scores. There are also institutional shareholders that have their own scoring system. For example, State Street has an R factor, which is a responsibility factor. And they look at emissions, air quality, energy management, water and wastewater management, and ecological impacts. And they'll grade companies as well in terms of good companies to invest in. And this gets back to my initial point about the exchange traded funds. You won't get investors' money unless you're getting a good score, either both from ISS Glass-Lewis or one of the big institutional funds like BlackRock or State
0: Street. So to sum up, it sounds like this expansion of board scrutiny involves a lot of knowledge and understanding in areas previously left to management. Any parting words of advice for boards that are just beginning to grapple with these issues? You know
1: it is uh it is the latest flavor of the week, but it's it's really grounded in reality in terms of what's happening in the world and you know where the, where the next uh, catastrophe will come from. but um I would say, Joel, you generally want to raise consciousness, and um boards should seek out um, podcasts like this, should seek out publications like the Harvard Governance Forum. Um, should learn as much as they can on their own uh, about environmental risk and climate change. But most importantly, they should, if they don't already have it, have one of their colleagues on the board be an environmental expert and lead that committee that's in charge with environmental compliance in working with management to make sure you get the best scores possible. The last thing I would recommend beyond getting good scores is actually being a responsible corporate citizen and looking at your long-term strategy and seeing what the sustainability of the company is, depending on what industry you're in, and being a good citizen. And then telling in your proxy and your reports, you know, what you're doing to be a good citizen along the lines of the Davos Manifesto or the Business Roundtable. Uh, I really think this is going to be uh a game-changing exercise, and people taking this seriously to um, get the business to a better place in terms of environmental sustainability.
0: It's about time. I agree. John, thank you for a terrific conversation on some cutting-edge issues facing boards of directors today. It's been great having you here. Joe, my
1: pleasure, and thanks for having me. Anytime.
0: And now it's time for This Week in History. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men, living and dead, who struggled here, have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract the world will little note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here it is for us the living rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced it is rather for us to be dedicated here shall not perish from the earth these 271 words spoken by president abraham lincoln at gettysburg pennsylvania on november 19 1863 have come to be known as one of the greatest and most influential statements of american national purpose lincoln surprisingly thought the world would barely remember these words In a rare miscalculation, he was wrong about that, and we are forever grateful. And with the 2020 presidential election in our rearview mirror, let us never forget those words. See you next time, and thank you for listening to Pillsbury's Industry Insights Podcast.